Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a podcast on all things playful and joyous. Together, we are finding the joy in the journey of life. Today, with me, I have Dalton Quick, uh, new to this whole uh, Well Played Podcast, and we're excited to have him here. Uh, we are starting a, a series of new gamifiers on the show here, and we're going to hear from them and kind of break down their starting setup and see what others can learn from from their experience. So excited to have you, Dalton. Why don't you give us a brief introduction of yourself? All right. Sounds good. Um, well, my name is Dalton Quick, like you said. I'm a first-year teacher out of Plato, Missouri. It's a really, really, really small town, 108 population. Uh, currently teaching English, uh, but then we've mixed in a little bit of journalism, multimedia, and then I actually do a dual-credit psychology course that kids can get credit, uh, college credit for if they take. So gave me a little bit of everything my first year. I was going to say, that sounds like quite a full plate. Uh, <clears throat> I teach sixth-grade world history, so I'm pretty – that's it. Like That's what I do. I mean, we have a few other – little things in there, little responsibilities, being an advisor and whatnot, but whoo, those are like yeah. <laughs> total, total different preps that you have, and it's your first year. Yeah, five preps has been, it's been interesting, but it's fun too, keeps it creative. So I guess let's start there, like, I mean, you're a first year teacher, so I mean, absolutely, this is going to be awesome for the show, because first year teacher, and you're choosing to dive into gamification, and you have five preps, so what... What started you down that path? Like, why, why even begin that? Right. So I, um, I have a, a really good mentor. The other English teacher here, Laura Steinbrink, um, is, is a huge fan of the Hive Summit, which, of course, you do. Um, and so she emailed me out of the blue, and she was like, these, these videos are up, and I need you to watch them. And I said, well, Laura, it's, that's nine hours of video. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a first-year teacher, and I have lesson plans, and I need to grade 50,000 assignments. And so I was like, I don't... <laughs> I don't really have time for that. And she was like, no, just, just do it. So I did. Um, and it, it was awesome because it actually saved me a lot of time and that I learned how to kind of give students more control, that I didn't have to be a micromanager. I didn't have to dictate everything. I could kind of pass some of that over to the students. Um, you know, I didn't have to make every grammar presentation. They could teach themselves some of the grammar, then teach it to their fellow students. Sure. Um, does a little bit of extra reinforcement. And it also takes some off my plate. And so I got into that. Gamification was a way that um, I kind of started bringing some of the more dull aspects of the classroom um, to, to the students to get them engaged. And the very first assignment I did was actually with my psych course um, where they had to do clinical psychology. I don't know if you've ever taken clinical psychology, but it's pretty dry. It's here's a list of 10 symptoms. Do they match eight of them? Um, do they match four of them in this setting and four in this setting? And so I kept, I did two lectures and my students were literally laying their head down at their desk. Like they did not, they did not care. And so what I did was I, I, in, I came in on a Thursday, I brought a stethoscope. I was a pre-med student initially, so I brought in a stethoscope that I'd owned as a pre-med. And I put it around one of the students' neck. And I said, today you're our resident in training. I said, our chief resident at a clinic, at a psychiatric clinic. I said, and, and so randomly throughout the day, I would fire off questions that had to do with the symptomology and she had to give the final diagnosis. And so all the other, yeah, so all the other students were working with her to kind of pinpoint a, a diagnosis by giving them these symptoms. And then they had to come up with a treatment plan. And then they had to decide, do they also need drugs? Do they just need therapy? And so they got into the theme. They got into the role. They were calling each other Dr. So-and-so. Um, and so that, that really kind of launched it for me. And after that happened in my psych class, I decided I, I've got to take this into the others also. 
Nice. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, kind of right off the bat, then you you rolled out from Hive Summit there and really applied it straight into your classroom. And I love that right away you you hit theme, which is something we really talk about a lot in the book and talk a lot about in the, the on this show and as well as XP Lab. That like that theme can really set the tone and it can really help you lock in on how to kind of structure the rest of your unit and and <clears throat> it can give context to a lot of these game mechanics like when when I tell people to use items or badges and they're like well I don't even know what to give out or what to do all of a sudden once you have a theme those can mean something those could be credentials those could be medical credentials those could be their like where they did the residency whatever those could be the badges right <clears throat> And the kid, I feel like as we get older, maybe our imagination kind of drains off a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's just the world wearing on us, but we kind of, I think in a sense, we sometimes lose a sense of our imagination. Kids have not. So when you bring in a theme, even if it seems, because at first I thought maybe this would be silly. Maybe this is something they're going to laugh at, scoff at. It's not. It might be something I think is a little silly. They get into it. They, they have that imagination. They have that capacity still to think. If I use the title doctor, it just feels so real to me. I am so glad you said that. I mean, I think, I mean, true words never spoken. I mean, true that like we as adults can sometimes think things are hokey or little. And I sometimes find myself, to, I mean, to really be honest, <clears throat> even me in sixth grade where I know those kids are going to totally eat it up. There's sometimes even I'm kind of like, ah, I mean, really? Like if I call you this, is it going to? And it totally does. Like it works. So sometimes I think we're our worst enemy in this. Like. Yeah, call him a call him a doctor. You know, wear a lab coat if you can. Like if if you have it, like get an extra lab coat for one of them to wear for fun. Like it right. will change that experience. Well, mainly because you're building it into an experience. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I will say after we started that, there were no more kids laying their head down at their desk. And then, and I found a kid checking their phone that day, and I'm like, "You're the resident. Like you can't be on your phone. That's that's a bad example for you know for your fellow interns." And she was like, "I'm looking up the symptoms." <laughs> so they they really buy into that. That's I, awesome. It is. It's awesome. I love it, and I also love that, like you said, the the students were no longer heads down on their desks. Like they were engaged. They kind of wanted to be a part of something. And I think that's really it, right? Like we all sort of yearn to sort of be a part of something bigger. And I mean, I think that's why sometimes people like to go home and watch Netflix, right? Like they, they, they can imagine a different world. They can become that powerful like lawyer in the courtroom, like while they're watching that TV show. And kids still have that imagination where if all of a sudden you call them doctor and you have the lab coat, there's a piece of them that kind of is like, yeah, like this, this is something bigger than just this class activity. This is something bigger than just my homework. Absolutely. You know, and who doesn't want to be a part of that? Like that, that's just an exciting thing to click into. Uh, so, all right, you know, if I'm listening to this and I'm brand new, uh, first teacher, first year teacher or not, how, how did you know where to begin? How do you, I mean, it's like, it it can feel very nebulous. It can feel like, oh, like well, it's all okay. We're a we're a, we're a hospital now. What? Right. Yeah. I think um, so. The very first book I read, becoming a teacher, was "Teach Like a Pirate" uh, by David Burgess. Solid remember, book. Right. And one of my favorite things in that book, and actually something that I I've tried to preach to fellow teachers here, is that creativity is something you have to work for. Um, and so 
you know, I have science teachers sometimes who say, oh, it's cool that you're trying that in English, but I could never do that in science. And I'm like, no, we're doing it in psychology too. Like you can, yeah. you're not limited by your field. You're not limited by your content area. And so I think it, it does involve a little bit of work on, on, you know, my part to think through what's something that's going to keep them engaged. What's a theme, what's a, you know, a game idea, but when they're more engaged and they're more involved, they add to it. So it, it feels like a little bit more work up front, but then when they're adding to it and they're kind of taking it to new heights, I think it kind of lessens it. So really I, I came up with the initial idea. I started this, you know, you're the chief resident. They took it from there. So they were the ones who, when they found the diagnosis, my part was done. They had a diagnosis, they got their points as a resident, but then they said, no, we have to treat them. We can't just leave them with a diagnosis and there'd be no treatment. <laughs> and so I, I, I started it and then I let my kids kind of figure out where it was going from there. My English ones still don't know what they're playing for. They just know they're playing. And they know, it, they know it's seeping into other projects. So it, I like letting the kids take it. I think that that's <clears throat> can be a really neat component is when it's, it's sort of student-led, student-driven. Uh, I'm a man of mystery. I love the power of mystery. So I will admit I like to have some of that creative control, and that's okay. But what I also love, and I hope other people listening to this take from you, well, I guess two things here. One, you were able, you were willing to put something in play without necessarily an end game, like, and that's okay. You can have some points. There's been plenty of things that I've started in my gamified world that I thought, like, oh yeah, this will be cool if I add this element, and then like nothing ever came of that, and that's okay. And some things became central, core pieces to my game, and I think you're going to discover that. And then the other thing that I think you sort of inadvertently said while you explained it is you sort of smiled and you sort of laughed and like I just think people need to realize like this isn't as serious as you know as the actual lesson planning as the actual unit planning this is the cherry on top have fun with it like this is setting that context and like seeing you kind of light up about your class even though you have five preps and you're gamifying on top of that like you, you could sit here and, and whine about all the like difficulties you have and instead you're laughing and you're talking about how like kids are lighting up and then all of a sudden it changes your perspective of the work you're doing. Right. 100%. Yeah. They, I, I've said if, cause I, I'm not, I'm a non-traditional teacher. I came from a non-traditional background. I didn't study education. Um, and so people ask me, you know, will you stay in education with this being my first year? And I'm like, if you know, it's just teaching kids, I will be here forever because it, I love watching them learn. I love watching them light up. I had, it was kind of cool as a trickle down effect. After I started gamifying my English one, I saw in their notes that they turned in that for the first time they had notes that were colored and shaped and full before they would just write a sentence or a few words. And now they, they were full front and back with colors and pictures they'd drawn. And so to just see them get invested in the learning to me, that was, I loved that. And yeah, like, like you said, it takes a little bit more work up front, but if they're caring about it and they're excited about it and you're hearing people talk about your class between the hallway, that makes it, I mean, that's why I'm here. That if, if they're not doing that, that's when I'm having a bad day. Even if it means less work for me up front, if someone hated my class that day, that that's miserable. That, that makes being a teacher miserable. So again, like what a solid answer, you know, like it doesn't matter in, in some respects, it doesn't matter the investment if, if it's paying off, right? Like if it's right. if it's working, we're fabulous. And if if you could tell me that I could have zero investment, but like no one would care, oh nope, that's not what I want to do. And I, and I think like 
at the heart of it, all of us teachers think that way. We will do anything for our students. So, you know, I hope people listening to this are inspired to go out and take take that leap. Put something in play. And, and you also talked about, I have it written down here, uh, you said designing something that have my students in mind. Like, and, and that cherry on top can be all about the students, right? Because we as content experts or masters or however we want to say it as those teachers, there are certain have-tos that we have to do and it, and it isn't always student choice, it isn't always student driven. But the nice thing when you have that gamified layer on top of it, that can be entirely thought of in the student's realm and, and what, what's going to motivate, what's going to inspire. So, you know, you're, wow, like you are, I'm impressed, Alton. <laughs> Thank you. It's fun. It's been very, very fun. So now another question that often I get, uh, how much of a gamer are you outside of this? So it, I, very non-traditional games, I would say I'm, I'm a fan of. So um, I remember when I was younger, my siblings and I, we used to make board games, but we would make our own. Um, okay. And so I think, I think that's kind of helped me here because it's, you know, I could base like a gamify thing off of um, the game Life for Monopoly, which wouldn't be bad. Mm -hmm. um, but when you can kind of tailor a game to specifically be about the Crucible, and you know, they're, they're living in Salem and they're trying to avoid accusations of witchcraft, and if they don't have this many, many points, they might be accused. They might be in that pool of individuals who might be accused. When you can kind of tailor it to that game and make it non-traditional, they get really excited about that. So I think I like gaming, but I'm a very non-traditional gamer. Mm -hmm. So it, the things we play, the things my family find and play are very, very different from, you know, your typical mass media game. So, Well, now I have to admit, I'm kind of curious. What's like a, one of your faves? Because I, I am an avid, at least board game player. So, Right. So we actually at Thanksgiving, we just played, I think it was called Between the Sheets, um, <laughs> which was very, very different. And a blast and then i played one the other day that was called phase 10 which is oh, yeah. more mainstream yeah well, phase 10 is more mainstream but we put our own spin on it so it was like even if we have these you know traditional games we put a spin on it. my family doesn't even play monopoly the same way so yeah it's we read the rules once because my stepdad who just married into the family he was like you can't do that and i'm like yes we can and he pulls out the instruction guide and he's like it says right here you can't do that i was like but we have our own instruction guy. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Good luck trying to learn it, new, new right. guy. And I promise we didn't just make it up this game. It's been that way since I was ten. Like that's awesome. I, you know, that that brings up kind of another thing that I think is really good advice to share for new gamifiers is <clears throat> to simply be playful, even with your own rules. Like just monkey with it, or uh, be playful with other things that you add to the game. Like I, I try to encourage teachers who are using, let's say, Kahoot, that, that can be a fun element, but now that you're gamifying your class, could we use Kahoot and maybe add some class things to it? Could there be a way to like add score points at the end? You know, that yes, you'll have to do manually, but like maybe they have an item or power-up that gives them more points, or you know, if they answer, you know, if they're in the top five, this happens, or you know, like Come up with your own things. Be playful. It doesn't have to be locked into, well, this is what Kahoot is. Kahoot's really fun, so we're just going to play Kahoot. Add something. Right. You know, 
be playful with it. And I love hearing it. Like even with off the shelf games that you guys use at home, you guys are playful. So that, that, that skill came out for you in your classroom. Right. Yeah. And it, it's fun to do that. Like I, so initially when we would do, we do a review Kahoot in my college writing class. Um, and every, whoever scores the highest, the top three, um, students who score the highest used to get a bonus point on their grammar quiz. Um, and so I kind of took that and I was like, but what's the way we could make this more interesting? Because just giving them a point isn't making them think, right? It's just a freebie, mm -hmm. which I'm not against, but what's a way that we can make, still make them think. And so what I ended up doing was uh, after that, they played for a prize, but the prize was to help them on their quiz. They got some kind of ability or some kind of power. So they might get a 50, 50 where I would go over and I would erase two answers and they still had to think through it, but now it was a little bit easier. Or phone a friend. So when your friend was done with their grammar quiz, they could come over and you guys could talk a, a question out. Um, call a call a professor was another one. So they could like get get in touch with a teacher down the hall and have them help with them with the question. It made them think. It didn't just give them a free point. It still made them think, but it also made them think in a really enjoyable way. And now you even had some kind of cross thinking because their <laughs> friends are having to think through these answers again, discussing it with them. It's and like. So, a it's a win-win for kind of everybody involved. Uh, exactly. And, and, and they the, kind of, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, and they were kind of upset because initially it was just, oh, but I'm supposed to get a free point. Um, but once they got into it, they were like, oh no, this, this, this is good. And then the next time I was like, okay, so it's a free point for someone. And they were like, no, we get the power up. I was no. Like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no, we want the power up now. Exactly. I love it. Uh, I was going to say that I think that's really cool that, your, your students kind of converted there into like fully loving the sort of power up. But the other thing that I love about using kind of items like that, that have some sort of extra ability is the meta game that now exists within your class. Cause like some of these things maybe can only be used so often or which question to use it on. So now they're not only like diving into your content, they're also thinking when's the best time to apply this ability, you know? And I just think our job as educators are, yes, to teach you know, the content and the skills that are found within our classes, but ultimately it's getting them to think. Mm -hmm. And like having a gamified class means there's kind of a constant layer of thought that's happening. And typically I would argue some sort of higher ordered strategic thought on top of the content and the delivery and all that other stuff. Absolutely. That's what we got asked when we came here. We're like, what's your why? That was a question from our superintendent. Um, why are you in this position this year? What, why are you teaching? What do you want to see happen through that? And I said, honestly, I want them to learn how to think. That was, that was the big thing for me. Not just share the content, not just share the knowledge. Like, I want them to think and reason. And so I completely agree with you. When they, it, it, it seems like a game. And it's like, that's not, it, is gaming really teaching them to think all that critically? Yes, absolutely it is in multiple ways. Yeah. So it, I, I was able to gamify, I was able to get them to think. Um, and so I, I think that's important. I think I found my why. I think you did too. So again, trying to help out those that are still on the fence, still thinking it through, you know, here you are first year teacher tackling this. Some of my other questions are like time related. Like you, you, you spoke a little bit about, yes, it's more upfront cost. Yes, it's more upfront cost, but uh, you know, like truly that said, like how much time do you really think that it's that much time? Like, I don't know, just give me some, give me some time information here. 
I think uh, I will say I'm a lot more behind on grading this <laughs> this quarter than I was last quarter since I decided to gamify. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's okay because to me, first off, the grades are going to be better because engagement's improved. Um, so it, it, I can see the time that it's taken, but I will say it didn't take nearly as much as I thought it would. Like I said, with my site class, it was bringing in a stethoscope, explaining the instructions to them, and then taking a little bit of time at the end of each lesson to put out a diagnosis and say, this is what's happening with patient X. What do you think's going on with him? And a little bit of back and forth. Um, with my English one class, it was even quicker because I just started putting experience points up on the board. Um, and then eventually I could tie that into something else. That was the biggest thing for me. The time it takes initially isn't that bad and it's worth it. And it's not that, it's not that gruesome. You come up with an initial idea and then from there you can build on it. So it's not like it's, you're spending eight hours on a Sunday coming up with this so that Monday you have the full game ready to go. For me, that wouldn't be possible right now with where I'm at. I had to do it in stages, do it in increments. So I come with that initial idea. I talk it over with my fellow teachers. They help me build it. The students help me build it. So the initial output isn't strenuous. It's a little bit of time, but it's not bad. All right. I mean, I like that. And I guess that kind of leads right into kind of that next thing. How how have both you and your students been okay with that sort of incremental stage-based, you know, rollout? And, 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 and probably quite honest, like, when I say rollout, it's not like you even necessarily have the answers for stage two and stage three yet. You know, like, how, how has that been for you? Is there any tips or advice you'd give on that? I think it keeps them interested, if we're being honest. Like, and that's one reason I haven't told like, my English one right now are playing for experience points. Um, if you don't have a certain amount of experience points, you have the chance of being accused of witchcraft, right? Because this is all set in Salem. <laughs> that's um, awesome. Right. So you want those experience points because you don't want the accusation. But they don't know that they're even playing for anything else. So are they getting bonus points on a test? Do they? I mean, they have no idea. And they're fine with that. I've had like one student say, well, what do the winners actually get? You know, other than that, they're like, let's just keep going. Let's see where this goes. Who's getting accused this week? So it, it, <laughs> they don't they don't mind. They're excited about it. And I think it keeps it interesting. If they knew, like the person at the end gets a couple bonus points on a test, are they still motivated to do it? They're just going to think that's a couple points. That's, I'll be, some of them are going to think I'll be fine on the test anyway. Others are going to think, well, two points isn't going to help me. Right. So you've got you've got this issue where if you tell them you've kind of ruined some of the intrigue and some of the surprise. So I think they're fine with it casually changing over time and it makes it more interesting. The other day I did a random battle round. And so if you got a question right, you got two points instead of one. So then some students who'd started out with nothing were suddenly tied for top place. Right. So that that keeps it interesting because now I don't have to be disheartened if I'm at the very end because he might throw something out tomorrow. That means I can catch up that day. Right. Uh that I think is a huge piece. We have to think, especially game related wise, you have to think of ways that there can be sort of a catch up mechanism that will be inspiring to the bottom without also being like uh, detrimental to the top. You don't want to like totally, you know, undervalue the work they've done. And it sounds like you really had some good thoughts on that. And like, that's awesome. And I also love the, the word choice you used of intrigue. I think intrigue it just sets the mind to fire, you know, like it, it's, it's, it, it, I think it's a mix of hope. It's a mix of that and desire. Like you, you're, you're, you're hoping that that next class is, is that thing for you. And 
what a driving force in a classroom if, if truly your class produces intrigue. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. All right, so we have sort of the why you did it. We have some of the how you did it. Um, and, and it sounds like, in general, you, my, my sort of last question was kind of the how's it going so far, you know. Um, but it's, it seems like from some of your other answers, it's going really well. It is, yeah. And I'm, I'm like I said, I, I give my finals next week. Next week's our final week for the semester. So I'm excited to see how that compares with their first quarter finals now that I've, I've done this uh, throughout the second quarter, but I, I can't imagine that it's not going to be successful. Like I said, I, where students used to take no notes or would write down a couple sentences, now they've suddenly filled two pages. I, I have students asking, can I have another sketch note page? Um, I have students asking for colors because they want to color their notes that are drawing things on their notes that are kind of building the theme even into their notes. Um, so it, it I'm loving it, and I can't imagine the scores aren't going to be better with engagement being as heightened as it's been this quarter. So I'm excited. And even if the test scores, I keep saying this, even if the test scores aren't better, I know they've learned more. I know even if they're not regurgitating exactly in the, in the multiple choice way that our final has to be written, I know they've learned more. I can see it in the discussion. Where I used to have no students saying anything or looking at me with their mouths kind of hanging open when I asked a discussion question, I now have 10 students who are jumping up trying to be the first one to answer it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you, you can, that's palpable. That's palpable change. Like you can feel it and, you know, life skills like that note taking and just sort of like the, the desire to do it right, you know, to like actually finish those notes and, and clean them up and, you know, make them thorough, make them understandable with the color coding system. You know, all of that speaks to the, the to becoming a better learner in general. Uh, and so, that, that's what we want, right? Lifelong learners. I'm not interested it just because you did better on the semester final than you did the quarter final. I'm interested that you cared and yeah. you were engaged. So. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, I feel like what you're actually handing them then is a lifelong skill, which might mean that the return on that investment isn't this, this week or this quarter or this test. You have to understand that you are investing in a change, in a shift of their trajectory. So when you think about like a, a rocket changing its trajectory, in the first 10 feet, it makes a minuscule difference. But once it's done its full, you know, 4,000 foot flight, that tiny change in trajectory puts it in a total different place. So I'm, I, I think that's powerful that you understand that already as a first year teacher and, you know, like that's kudos to you, I think. For, for knowing that. And uh, think about that, I was gonna say, you think about that creativity aspect too, just a final, another thought I had. You think about the creativity no, aspect of it. I was reading an article the other day about how Google, the number one thing they look for when they hire somebody new is creativity and the sense of innovation. And so I have kids who I said are adding to the games, right? They're coming up with new thoughts, new ways to make it interesting and add levels to it or add characters to it. And so by that, they're, they're developing their creativity skills. It might not necessarily be the book that developed that creativity. They might think The Crucible is boring. They might not care that Abigail accused John Proctor for, for this reason or, or you know, that she drank blood out of a frog cauldron. Like they, don't, they might not be interested in that. That might not be their cup of tea. They might not like the book, but they're still developing that creativity because of the game. The book might not have done it for them. The discussion might not have done it for them. The game did. Yeah. And so that, that sense of developing their creativity, their sense of innovation, that, that pays off too. I mean, that matters. That's in, that pays in dividends. Yeah, so. 
that's huge. All right, so unfortunately, I mean, our time has just zipped by. We're, we're at the end here, and we have uh, reflection time. I'm excited to sort of hear your, your take on it. Uh, so are you ready? I'm ready. All right. This one is be willing to be a beginner every single day. Ooh, that's good. That's, yeah, I think being a teacher, I see that as huge. Um, when I, the, the job I had before this, I was a researcher. And so it, I think coming in as a beginner every day was dangerous because so much of what you were doing was building on the building blocks of what you'd done the day before. Now, I think if I come in and I'm in a vulnerable state where I can tell my kids, like, let's all begin, let's all learn this today. Let's all learn this today. I'm not the expert. Let's learn together. Um, to me, that's huge. And I think that comes in every day by, I mean, like that said, by being a beginner, by saying, I'm starting fresh, you're starting fresh. A big thing in my room is I don't know it yet. I use the word yet a lot. Sure. I don't know it yet. You don't know it yet, but we will. Right? So I think coming from that place of you have a fresh start, you have a new beginning, um, and we don't know it yet, but we will by the end of the day. I like that. And yeah, coming down to your kid's level, I think letting them know, like, I'm learning with you. This is my first year as a teacher. <laughs> Um, this is your first year in my class. Let's learn together. Let's. This is a fresh start, a fresh beginning. So I that, that drives my classroom. I think that's solid. I think that uh, we all, all of us teachers who have been in the profession for a while, can benefit by remembering the... Yes, there were plenty of hard work hours uh, building your curriculum in the state that you're in and the year that you're in, your first year. But there was also, uh, to go back to Dave Burgess, there was also a creativity, an openness, a flexibility, you know, because you didn't have that favorite unit yet that you had to get to. You didn't have that favorite unit that when something comes up and you know you're like oh but that's going to mess up my favorite you don't have anything so like when somebody's like hey we're gonna have a speaker come in you're like great let's have a speaker come in where everybody else is like rah, 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 rah. that means an adjusted schedule and that's gonna ruin my you know but it meant that like back then being that beginner all you saw besides work was possibility right and that you know, to be reminded of that as, I mean, I've, I've been in my current position teaching the exact same curriculum. This is my 11th year, you know, and I try, I try my hardest to remember, to remember being that beginner, to remember being like anything's possible next unit because I don't have that next unit planned. And while that can sound like a bad thing, it can also be a tremendously good thing to be open to the possibilities. That right. could be created. I think it creates a sense of humility too for me um, because I can have a lesson and it can go horribly wrong, horribly wrong. And I can show up the next day and say, I'm sorry, like that didn't work. I know it didn't work. Let's start over. How can we make that better? Um, and so having the humility to say that is, I think, a huge thing for your kids, but it also helps keep you sharp. You know, you, you have to do what's best for them. Um, and if you mess up, that's okay. You start again tomorrow. Love it. Those are fantastic words to end on. Thank you so much, Dalton, for joining us on Well Played today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I, 
I hope we can tap you on the shoulder again. I thought this was a great, great episode. Uh, hopefully people are still listening and hearing every word because I thought it was jam-packed full of good, good stuff this time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to connect with you. Yeah, wonderful. Everyone else, thank you for listening and giving up your time this week. I really want to encourage you guys to go on to my YouTube channel. Hit subscribe because I am give, I'm going to do a big, uh, I think, winter holiday giveaway. But you got to be a subscriber and you're going to want to find out about that over there. So go check out YouTube.com slash Mr. Matera and hit subscribe. Check out some of the content there. Everybody, enjoy your week and play on. <laughs>